You're listening to the Home Staging Show podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Lin. This is a show where we talk about all things real estate, home staging, to live and to sell. Welcome back to season 10. This is episode two. This episode is brought to you by SocialLightVault.com. Are you overwhelmed with the marketing your home staging business? Stop wasting time worrying or wondering if you're doing the right things. From social media to email newsletter that get attention of listing agents, Social Light Vault makes marketing simple and effective. You don't need a huge marketing budget. You don't need a huge audience either. You just need real marketing tools that work and the right sales funnel to deliver new leads, even when you aren't working. The team at Social Light specializes in marketing for home stagers. Get started today by going to SocialLightVault.com. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Home Staging Show. So today I'm super excited to have Christy Craig Anderson on our show. She's the owner of Dwell Staging and she's an amazing home stager. I love the way she styles her homes. So Christy has been reimagining home interiors since the age of six, when she would deck out her family's small apartment with bed sheets as curtains and paint their shoebox tops as custom artwork. After a long career as an assistant principal and graduating from a master program in business management while decorating on the side, Christy followed a new dream and started Dwell Staging in 2014, with a goal to bring fresh, contemporary staging to the Tampa Bay area. Since its humble beginning as a sole proprietorship serving a house at a time out of her own garage, Dwell has grown into a 9,000-square-feet warehouse with a talented team of 13 who stage hundreds of homes per year. Christy holds a designer staging professional designation from Transformation School of Home Staging. She's a member of local and national staging association, including HSRA, Reset Pro, and was named Top 100 Most Influential People in Real Estate Staging in 2018. She's also named Top 5 Stager in the Industry by HSRA and a Top 10 Rising Star Home Stager in the Country by Risa in 2016 and 2017. Her work has been featured on HGTV's 90s Daydream Home and Container Homes in House Trends and Luxury Homes magazine and in the real estate book from the top. When not staging, Christy can be found watching her husband Mark Cook, forcing her dog Walter to snuggle, kayaking, and growing her spiritual life. She's guided daily from above by her beautiful mom Bridget who taught her to leap far and often and trust the universe to catch her. So it's going to be an amazing episode. I really enjoy my talk with Christy. She's full of knowledge and I just love everything we talk about. So I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. So hi, Christy. Thank you so much for coming on this show. Can you share with us a little bit about your background and your company before we get started? Absolutely. Uh, so thank you first so much for having me. And my company is Dwell Home Staging. We're based in Tampa Bay, Florida, and we stage Tampa, St. Pete, Sarasota, and Orlando. Um, and I started staging about five years ago and started out of the third bedroom in my home. And now we have a team of 13 and a large warehouse and a couple trucks. So we've grown up. Uh, to, to be pretty large in those five years. That is absolutely amazing. So what is the real estate market like in your neighborhood? 
The real estate market in Tampa is really great. It's technically a hot market right now, but we see a lot of dips just like anywhere else. Um, it's cooled a little bit from, say, a year ago, but overall, it's, it's really great. And so can we start by defining what is luxury home? Because actually one of our listeners, Sandra, had asked, like, what differentiates luxury staging from the regular price home staging? And she's also wondering, what is the average sales price in your market that will classify to be a luxury home? Since certain parts of the country, uh, a luxury home will be multi-million dollar. Right. Yeah. And that's such a great question because I think today we kind of throw that term around pretty freely, right? Like luxury homes and luxury apartments and luxury condos. And I don't know that there is one single answer because Tampa Bay and the area we serve is just so vast and it has so many different types of uh, kind of mini neighborhoods and markets. And that's dependent on how close it is to the water, you know, um, how close it is to the many downtown areas that we have. So we, in some areas close to us, you know, it's only a million dollars that would make something uh, for us what we consider as a luxury home. And maybe that's like 5,000 square feet, and um, it's in one of the more rural areas on the outskirts of town. But then when we get closer to the beaches and in some of the other high-end areas, I mean, it really does need to be closer to 2 million uh, for it to really qualify as a luxury property here. Yeah, I think one of the things I think most of the time what we do is do it by price point, right? That's how we usually differentiates luxury home and kind of like the regular price home. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, but for us, it's not just, so we have, we have different sort of tiers for our staging and, you know, you could have a million dollar home that is really small, you know what I mean? Um, but in, in, in a different neighborhood, um, the small million dollar home might not be in the top of the market. So I would say between one to two million is really the starting point, but it really just depends on the neighborhood. Right. And so she's also wondering if the sourcing inventory is a bit different between the regular price home and luxury homes. Yeah, I think it is. There's a different client expectation in the luxury home. But that being said, I will say that how I feel is is staging is is still staging, right? And it's not interior design. So I don't think that stagers should think, oh, I need to go buy, you know, a sofa that wholesale is $3,000 necessarily to put in in a luxury home. I think you have to have the high-end look, but that doesn't always mean a high-end price tag, you know, on the furniture. I will say in the accessories um, and the artwork and things that we've just noticed that you definitely do need to spend more in those areas. You know, we really do a lot of framed art in our luxuries or definitely larger scale. The linens and soft goods that we use are higher quality. So I really feel like, you know, not as much in the furniture as in the the accessories that you need to spend the extra money for luxuries. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And you mentioned the the high-end look. So what exactly makes the look high-end? Well, I think it depends really on your kind of staging look and the market. You know, in the Tampa market, you know, our buyers aren't 
as necessarily design savvy <laughs> sometimes as, as you know, some in New York or LA or even Miami. So for us, our luxury properties, they like to see a lot of mirrored pieces. They like to see a lot of glam, you know? So in our specific market, that constitutes high end. But, you know, if you go to another market, if you go to, to New York and, and you go to some of their multi-million dollar condos, I mean, mirrored pieces are tacky, right? And, <laughs> um, and, and you know, there are certain things that, that don't necessarily constitute luxury in different markets. So I think that it's really important for any stager to know what their buyers and their specific market are looking for. But I also think it's about layering and making sure for us, we always make sure that we show livable luxury. So even though it's high end, it's still comfy and cozy and, and, and makes you want to kind of curl up and read a book in it, even if it's a multi-million dollar property. Yeah, I love that term, uh, livable luxury. I think that's a great marketing tool. Thanks. Yeah, we use that that one a lot. Yeah. And <laughs> so how are the clients different when you're working with them, you know, between the luxury and also the regular price homes? The first thing that I had to learn is that number one, people are people, right? And so I personally was scared of, of a, the luxury uh, market and, and a luxury client prior to getting into it. And I think at the end of the day, um, we're all human. And so we have to remember that, that yes, there are differences, but if we kind of lead by just being down to earth, <laughs> I think that that's always going to get us far. But, but yeah, luxury clients are, are different. And I, the first thing I did was I didn't rebrand for sure when I started to go after luxury because I didn't want to not continue my bread and butter, which was the small to mid-sized homes, but I did kind of do a sub-brand <laughs> and um, created a tagline for some of our luxury um, marketing materials that was different than our typical tagline. And I, I think because the luxury clients often, um, they're just selling a different experience, you know, and I think that sometimes their expectations can be higher. The communication is different. Oftentimes, um, you're not possibly communicating with them, but maybe a representative for them. And so that's something that's a little bit different. I will say that sometimes I find that luxury clients are not as willing to part with their money as we might think. And sometimes for our mid-level to executive level homes, I, I have clients that are, are really to, willing to spend a higher percentage of the list price um, than, than maybe on our luxury homes. I think that's really fascinating. So when you are marking to the luxury market, obviously your marketing material is a little bit different. Do you find the method of communication is a bit different as well? Like, because sometimes we do presentation, we do like this visual kind of days on market versus the county or whatever. Do you mm -hmm. find that with higher end clients, they need a little bit more persuasion? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that, that visuals are key, you know, especially when we're asking for a lot of money, right. Yeah. Um, or what can be seen to some as a lot of money. And, you know, sometimes I'll do design boards for, for luxury clients if that is going to make them more at ease with the product that they're getting similar to like a mood board. And, uh, I don't, spend a ton of time on it, but that's a great tool that I've used in the past just to really kind of set the expectation for them because 
you want to develop that trust with them and you hope that they trust that you're going to make all the right decisions, you know, but sometimes when they're spending a lot more money, you just really have to visually tell that story for them with, with a design board. That's just going to give them a feel for what the home will look like. We don't do things like previewing the items just because I think that can lead us down a, a dangerous road. And um, if you're looking to do multiple luxury home stagings, you, you can't be, you know, sending photos of exactly what's going in each one because you're going to kind of screw yourself. But I think a design board with a vision is, is helpful. So at what point in your business did you decide to shift into luxury staging? Um, I think as soon as someone was willing to hire me. No. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I think I um I had an opportunity to stage a luxury home and I just basically said it's now or never. You know, I hadn't been actively seeking that that market because again, I had this fear that I, I wasn't gonna be able to handle it or I wasn't fancy enough, you know, and um and then one came my way and it was it was actually because they had gotten staging from another company that they were really, really, really unhappy with. And so they came to us and we just milked that first one for all it was worth. You know, of course we got professional photos. We, you know, had a videographer come out and, and do some promotional stuff and really used that to further catapult our brand um, as far as luxury. And, and then from there, we just continued to get more. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is mindset also, right? Because you probably didn't think you were ready, but the opportunity came along, you grab onto it, and then you yeah. realize you actually, wow, I actually can do this, and this is great, and then we want to do more of this. Yeah, and you're never ready, right? I mean, like, we're never ready for any of this. Like, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've never been ready for anything that I've done, like, as a, as a business owner. Um, I had a mentor tell me, like, when you're 80%, when you feel around 80%, you're good, you know? And, and so I try to I like, do I feel 80% ready? Sometimes it's like 50% ready, but I think you just have to, you just have to do it. And I, I told myself that I wasn't, there's a lot of other factors that can hold us back in this industry, whether it be, you know, finances or competition or, you know, a, a million different things. And so I wasn't going to allow me and my fear hold me back when there was plenty of other things out there that could hold me back instead. So yeah, I think you just have to do it. That's great. I love that attitude. I think that is really the the can-do attitude that makes a difference in your business and how successful you are today. Thank you. Yeah. And we have a listener question from Kayla. She's wondering, how did you prepare yourself for the luxury home market? Or was it kind of a natural progression for you? Research is a big thing. And I think for me, I, I got the first job and then used that and then kind of garnered what I could from that into what areas I needed to really, really work on. But refining the branding was a big one to prepare for that. Understanding the different inventory that's needed. The biggest way I can say to prepare, not just for luxury, but really for any successful staging endeavor is you just go to websites of um, staging companies that you admire and you <laughs> do what they're doing, you know? So I did that when I initially built my website. Um, I, I was like, 
hey, I'm kind of small potatoes. I've only staged three homes, but what are these people doing that have staged 500 homes? And let me, you know, present myself in that way. And I think it's the same thing with luxury. So you have to get great photos. You have to get video and you really have to put that out there and, and lead with that and beg, borrow and steal from everybody else's ideas. Isn't that kind of what we all do? I mean, not their exact ideas, but when you see a, a way someone does something that you emulate, um, it's okay to be inspired by that. Yeah. And I think a lot of things too, people feel intimidated in the luxury market. They feel like they have to have a very strong design background. So did you have a design background or it just kind of, you kind of learn it all by yourself? No, I didn't have a formal design background. I had done decorating on the side for a long time in my other career before I started staging. Um, And I also, (laughs) I did a lot of like set design and stuff. So in that sense, I had some, but I didn't have any formal training. And I think that's okay, you know, but our staging manager does, is a a trained interior designer. So I think, I think that's okay too. And we both bring a different perspective to, you know, the designing of our, our luxury stages. But, you know, I think designing and staging are very different. And this is really about marketing and the same concepts that apply for a 1500 square foot home apply for a 10,000 square foot home. It's just on a different scale, you know? So once you get those staging and interior marketing basics and principles and kind of through lines, you just apply them on, on a bigger scale using more money, you know, and it truly really parallels. So I, I think that that's what some people don't realize. Um, And the bottom line is you're going to, the first few luxury homes that you stage are probably parts of it going to look like crap, you know, and, and then you learn from that and you're like, oh, this is what I got wrong here. And oh, I can't use like an open console in this huge room. I've really got to use like a chunky piece, you know, and, but we have to be willing to make those mistakes in order to learn if we want to be able to, to really truly use that as a business offering. Right. So what are some of the lessons you have learned staging luxury homes? Well, scale was, was a big one. You know, um, the furniture has to be typically bigger. Um, it, the homes are typically bigger. That was a big one. If I ever, you know, when, if we think like, hey, is this, is this going to be too small? The answer is probably yes. Another thing that I've learned, you know, is that neutral colors um, <laughs> tend to oftentimes look more expensive. I know that that's kind of random, but when in doubt, go with a little more neutral palette. And, you know, and I've also, I've learned a lot about just communicating with luxury clients that have a different set of expectations. And I've learned a lot about not taking things personally, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. um, because everybody has opinions and people especially have opinions when they're spending, you know, $10,000 and, and that's okay. And I can hear out those opinions and not, um, it's, it's not a personal vendetta against me or my art or my stagers art, you know? And so those are all things that I've learned. Right. So when you say a different set of expectation, what do you mean by that? Well, I think that there's definitely a certain look that luxury clients are looking for. I also think that a lot of it is about education on our part because there are oftentimes clients that will think that 
we are interior designers, right? And we're not. And so you have to be confident on the front end of really outlining the difference between what they might have experienced with an interior designer that they might have hired for their own home or and what they are getting with a staging experience. And so I think that that is definitely something to think about. There's also different expectations you really have to over-communicate, I think. I think that you cannot communicate enough about the logistics and times and, and property access and, and how you're going to get into the property and when the photographer is going to be there. I think that in my experience, um, mishaps in those types of things are typically better received if it's you know, maybe a $300,000 home um, than it is in, in a larger home. So I think your whole process needs to be pretty fine-tuned from start to finish. So you're appearing um, really professional in every step of the process. Right. I do think with higher price point homes, they do expect more of a white glove service where mm -hmm. everything is really well done and then you're kind of two steps ahead of them and they don't really have to worry about anything. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it's about. It's like really being problem solvers and convenience makers and, and, you know, what can we package in? So, you know, photography is, we always include photography really for all of our stagings, but definitely for, for luxury. And, you know, we just on the front end have options to, Hey, you want drone? Okay, got it. We'll coordinate all that. Do you want a video as well? Great. We're going to take care of all that. I mean, obviously you charge them, but having those additional services, we've hosted um, brokers opens and opens houses for luxury properties. So as much as you can be a one-stop shop and, you know, luxury clients value time. <laughs> yes. um, and so as much as, as you can really save them time and take those small burdens off their shoulders, I think that goes a long way. I totally agree with that. I think that's actually how I used to retain my top producer clients. We would try to do like as much as we can for them and they'd really appreciate that by saving time. Yeah, I think just how many problems can you solve, you know, and then you just you figure it out then based on, okay, what problems can I solve that a client's willing to, to pay for, you know what I mean? And, and, and just knowing in some of your smaller homes, clients might not, you know, be about adding on all these things, but in, in luxury homes, this might be truly meeting a need for them. So I think that that's so true. Yeah. And have you ever dealt with client grievances that they say, like, because sometimes they do confuse staging with design and they walk into the mm -hmm. home, maybe certain areas are not as happy about, like, how do you deal with situations like that? Well, I will tell you, we had um, recently, we staged, <laughs> we stayed, we've had plenty, but, but we staged a home and I really thought that, that I had done a good job of communicating um, what the general design, you know, staging design plan was. I thought the realtor and I were on the same page and definitely had seen photos of our work. And, you know, for this type of home, the photos were all pretty similar, you know, none of them were crazy. Anyway, so we, I thought I had done a good job of communicating that. Well, we staged the home and the realtor calls me and I'm not kidding when I tell you she's like actively like almost sobbing basically. No. Um, yeah. Like, like really, really crying. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, what if, you know, and she just has been, she's so disappointed and she, 
you know, she thought she was getting Ballard designs and she got a whorehouse. I mean, like, did she say that? Yeah. She literally (gasps) said that. And, um, and I'm like, Oh man, wow. You know, um, I, I think the number one thing you can do in that situation is listen, 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 right? I mean, because that's 85% of the battle, I think, is just allowing someone to be heard. And you have to show compassion and understanding, but also your boundaries, you know? So so for that stage, I did, I, I said, okay, here's what we're willing and able to change. And, and here's what I can get you pricing for. And we don't, by the way, like offer to change stuff for anybody who who asks, but when you're sobbing, like, okay, let me see what I can, what I can fix here. Um, And, you know, but what the interesting thing was, so we made a few changes. I will say the home was on the market for over a year, staged by another company, not selling. And we staged it apparently like a whorehouse, you know, and, and it sold in like six weeks and the seller bought all the furniture. (laughs) So clearly not a whorehouse. I know. So that really, but you know, we take that personally, right? Like when someone's saying that to you about your design, you know, your staging design, you're like, oh my God, you know, this is my art, (laughs) you know, but, but that's one of a prime example of, I'm like, this is not, their opinions really have nothing to do with me, you know? And at the end of the day, are we getting the home sold? And, and, and we are so. I had a really crazy client and then I think it turned out it just that her husband wasn't really talking to her. I think she just wanted someone to listen yeah. to her. And yes. when we were when we were staging, she actually literally came by every half an hour and she would gossip right. about all her neighbors and all this stuff and like yeah, it yeah. was it was insane. And then she loved everything and then, then she hated everything to the point where the agent had to call me to come back to pay me extra money to fix everything she because she redid our staging. Like she moved all the furniture around. And yeah. um the agent was like, She's crazy. I don't know what to do. Uh can you please come out and fix it again? I swear I won't let her know. <laughs> yeah. And that's such a great example of like we're part of one of the most stressful times of people's lives, you know? And so if they have any, if it's in them at all to be a pain, that is going to show itself during this time, you know? And that's when we kind of see people at their worst, I think. <laughs> um, and we kind of bear the brunt of that. And I feel like that's such a great example of that. And so I try to tell myself, like, it's not you, it's them. It's not you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I agree that clients can sometimes get a, a little demanding and crazy. Yeah. And I find with higher price point, usually clients can be, and also they're used to, I think people catering to them. So right. sometimes they get a little colorful in the language. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that like, I like to do from the beginning, like whenever I first start a relationship with a luxury client is like absolutely be myself and absolutely try to have real conversations with them. Cause that's what I've learned. Like when we can get to the heart of a person from the beginning and just try to really talk to each other, like human to human and not have these crazy pretenses, like, oh, let me try to act like what I think this person wants me to be. Because that's when I feel like we start our relationship off on this like servant 
demanding person level, you know what I mean? And I just think it's so important to have like a real, as much as you can, like a real kind of authentic relationship from the beginning. And that's when I start to be like, okay, this really is just a person. Yeah. He's kind of an ass. He's running eight businesses. Like how can I solve a problem for him, but also just talk to each other like normal, you know? And I don't, I don't know if I'm explaining that correctly, but that's just gotten me so far in building relationships that are based on like authenticity and not, being so fancy and saying what you want me to say. Well, I'm really glad you point that out because I think that's something people don't really talk about in real estate, actually. But at the end of the day, it is a people industry. Like you do business with people. You know, what whatever they say about technology or there's virtual staging, I don't really think it's ever gonna replace having a real person like working in someone's home. And working together as a team to get this house sold. So that's why I'm just, I I love that you brought up just having that sense of compassion and just understanding that they're also humans and they might be dealing with something really serious going on or they've been kind of putting all this stuff away, but now they're selling this house that kind of trigger them to unleash all this stuff. So, so yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel like when I give, people the benefit of the doubt or when I, you know, like show a little compassion, they're more apt to do that for us as well. You know what I mean? Like when I can sort of be okay with them not being perfect and sometimes being a little bit of a jerk, then they're okay. Their understanding of us, like when I'm like, no, we don't have, you know, 712 sofas in stock for you to choose from. Like, that's not really how we work, you know? And I I just feel like it becomes a little bit more of a collaboration and mutual understanding than this kind of weird relationship of like demands and meeting them, you know? Yeah. And usually luxury homes take a bit longer to sell. Is that correct for you as well? Yes. And so what is the average time frame difference for you? Oh, they're all, it's all over the place, but, um, just because we have so many different crazy markets, but like they can take up to, to, you know, six to months to a year for like, for us, like an eight or $9 million home, that's like super luxury in Tampa. Like there's just not a lot, um, above 6 million, you know, 5 million, 6 million. So those can take six months to a year. And that's like, even if, everything is fantastic. And it's just because there's not as many buyers looking for that um, price point. Whereas our executive homes, you know, that might be in the 750 to a million dollar range will like, we'll stage them and they'll sell in a few weeks, you know? Yeah. And so if it's taking nine months to sell, does your inventory stay there the entire time? Yeah, typically. And I will say, I wish I could get more monthly (laughs) rental for it, but it's just, you know, not our market just won't, you know, I can't charge 3000 a month for our inventory. So, but yeah, oftentimes it will. Um, And I've kind of gotten creative with a couple of our like top producing luxury agents and in, you know, asking what are your clients thresholds as far as where their pain points as far as money goes. And so with some of them, I do what we call like a lessening lease. So essentially the longer the home is staged, the less their monthly rental is. And that just eases their pain a little bit and allows them to feel a little more comfortable with keeping the home staged for as long as it takes. Cause sometimes it does take quite a bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, nine months is a long time. Yeah, for really high-end homes, um, it can take that. You know, and then we had one that was eight million and sold in like three months. So it really just depends. But there's not that many buyers for like ultra luxury. You know, yeah, it's definitely um, for tricky we, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so one of our listeners, Cor, I'm really bad with names. So so sorry if I butcher your name, Corinia. Oh, Corinia asks, "What is an average budget for clients in the luxury market?" Well. I'm going to give the answer that everybody gives that I hate when they do it. And I hate it when I was new, which is, it depends, right? Like it depends so much on your market. It does you depend, know? yeah. It, it really depends. Any five, 10, 15,000, you know, but that's for our market. And I know some staging companies like don't leave the warehouse for less than 15,000. You know what I mean? So I really, truly it does depend on your market and your business model as far as what you're going to be able to do to make a profit. And then I think she also have a follow-up question, but I think we kind of covered this already. She does have a question about presenting for clients. Like, do you do more when you're presenting to a luxury client, for example, mood boards, floor plan, and the preview of items? What yeah, we don't do about? floor plans, but we do either do design boards or we'll like create kind of a compilation of examples of our work from prior homes that we've staged that are similar to that one. So we'll do a, um, a couple of those. Um, but I, I think it's also just about a lot of communication and making sure that you've devoted a lot of time to spend with them at the preview. If you're going in person to preview the home prior to quoting, which we do for our luxury homes, not for other homes, but so devoting a lot of time to that process to, to really answer questions and build the relationship is, is key as well. Yeah. And I think when you get to a higher end level, you really have to put in the time to kind of woo the clients. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I just think, you know, you have to be smart when, when you're putting that time in, like, especially at the preview and stuff. And, and I always say like, what can I give away to like prove my credibility that I know what I'm doing and we know what we're doing as a company, as far as a staging design without giving away the farm. And I think that that is important for higher end clients and higher end stages is, is really proving your, your value when taking that opportunity at the preview to do that. And so really talking about like, I'll give like a paint color, you know what I mean? If, if Mm. in, in that, before I even get the job, like if I feel like this is something that's going to provide me credibility. Yeah. 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 You know? Um, So I think that that's, that's important too. Yeah. So when you say providing value, are you just, you are basically giving them kind of a taste of what it's like to work with you? Right. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to go through and tell them exactly what we would do in every single room. So just so that they can take that and go to a cheaper stager and ask them to do it. You know what I mean? But I might in a few key rooms be like, Hey, this is really what I'm saying. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, cream colored sofas to play off the dark accent wall here. And this is why, and, you know, talking about the light that's coming into the room and how we're going to play off of that and where we can use mirrors and for what reason, you know, so all of those interior marketing things that you know as a as a stager as you go through the house that maybe you wouldn't share with a client on a regular preview I think when you're doing a quote for a luxury property and and trying to get the job that's the time to really show 
and articulate that you you are the professional and really do know what you're doing um, and to kind of give away some of those goodies while you're at that appointment. And what would you say is the most important thing to remember or to do when you are presenting your proposal or ideas for the luxury client? Presentation, presentation, <laughs> presentation. <laughs> so I think that that's the the biggest thing. Like just it, I mean, we, we use like all of our, our quotes, um, our, we use 17 hats actually, which we have outgrown for sure. But like all of our quotes look the same and has our branding on it. I mean, all of those things, um, need to, to really be on point. If you have been using like word documents <laughs> in the past for some of your regular price properties, like I, I would upgrade that for, for luxury as far as your proposal. We've changed the wording a bit on our proposals for luxuries. And, and so I think research, you know, even go online and just read about the offerings of other luxury stagers and, and emulate that kind of wording when you're talking about the luxury staging experience and, and put that into your quote as well. Yeah, I think with luxury clients, we really have to build this experience, right? I mean, if we think about how the hospitality industry is, like luxury hotels, it's all about that experience. Yeah, and that's what we like to say too. I mean, we're not just putting pretty things in your home. We're selling a marketing experience, you know? And so what is that experience? And I think it's it's important to share that you you know the lifestyle of your buyer so that you can really sell that whole lifestyle experience and not, again, just the the pretty rooms of this home. Yeah. And speaking of which, can we also chat a little bit about staging Airbnbs and vacation homes? And how yeah. is that different from your regular staging jobs? Well, when we do those, we sell everything. So we don't rent to Airbnbs, VRBOs, vacation rentals. We don't rent our items just because they'll inevitably come back pretty destroyed, you know, yeah. so we just uh, basically furnish them. So, you know, we kind of treat them the same as like a model home. But that being said, with some pricing adjustments um, and, and adjustments as far as the product that we're, that we're putting in there, because depending on your Airbnb, the property, you know, somebody, if they're getting 150 or $200 a night for it, right? Which depending, you know, now Airbnbs are everywhere. So if you have one that's like in this fantastic prime location on the beach, you obviously can demand a lot more money for it. But we'll get a lot of people that, oh, it's 10 minutes from the beach, you know, and, and they're only getting a couple hundred dollars a night. Well, that's not a client that necessarily is going to lay down $30,000, you know, on furnishing it. So we have to take that into consideration and say like, okay, so how can we pare down what we're offering, still have a fantastic look and value for the client, but obviously profit. And how did you break into this segment of the market? Because I think a lot of new stagers now, it's something, an opportunity that they want to pursue as well, but they don't know how to approach um, potential hosts, basically. Yeah, well, I will tell you that I don't know. And um, <laughs> so if you do, I love um, you're so, so honest about it. <laughs> I know. I'm like, uh, I don't know. Um, no, we're still I'm honestly, we're figuring that out. Like we get people that come to us, you know, which is great. And we also live in a little bit of more of a vacationy area than some, but I'm trying to crack the code for, to that. So, because it's not like for realtors, you go, you know, you go give a talk and you have like a hundred realtors in front of you, prospective clients, you know, I can't find like the Airbnb club. Um, 
but <laughs> you know, like I need to find that. But I will say that there are some stagers that have absolutely like just taken off in this area. So that might not be dwell yet, but if you find anyone, just ask them how they did it. I would say look at hosting companies because there are more and more companies now do management for Airbnb hosts. And yeah. they function just like a property management company, but for Airbnbs. So I'll probably approach those because you already have a really good track record on star home and also luxury homes. So it should be a no brainer for them. Yeah. I And like a lot, I was actually just doing some research on that like yeah. this weekend. Like I know Evolve is a big one and Airbnb now does like Airbnb plus, which yeah. I think is, well, they're, they'll like take care of all that for you kind of and outsource all that stuff. So that might be our next thing that we're going to tackle. Yeah. I will look into pitching to them actually too. And then also mm -hmm. there are a lot of photographers that work that like shoot Airbnbs. So they may be yeah. like good partners to have. Um, and then also actually go on Airbnb and then look for the houses that are in your target market. Because a lot of them are photographed poorly. And because oh, you, yeah. because you offer photography. So I feel like you can just be like, Hey, you know, how would you like, because we have, we can offer you photography and also a little bit styling and then make it like a package deal to pitch the host directly. And that might yeah. be a really good way for you to build your portfolio. Yeah. What we're trying to determine right now is like, we're really just assessing like, hey, what's our profit margin on these? You know what I mean? And like, what can it be? Because I was doing, like, I was just on a bunch of websites like that hosts go to, you know, that kind of ask each other questions and, and just kind of looking to see what they were telling each other about what the expectation is, like how much is it going to cost to furnish my three bedroom Airbnb? And over and over, I heard $5,000 max, you know, and I'm like, what? Like, this is insane. Now, granted, this is for people that are like, willing to do it all themselves, right? And like, yes, I'm going to find some stuff on Craigslist and, and that type of thing. But their the consensus was like, they were truly thinking that this was doable. And I mean, I can't even double that and make a profit, you know what I mean, for a whole home of brand new stuff. So that's kind of what we're in the process of really exploring is like, okay, how can we make this a profitable business model and not just do it to be like, hey, we do Airbnbs, you know what I mean? I'm wondering because I I interview one stager and then how she, well, she's based in the United Kingdom, but what she does is because they also have a manufacturing arm in their business, but mm -hmm. for you, you buy wholesale. So what she does is she packages it. Like she has these she calls a staging kit, I think. Mm -hmm, and right. it's basically like, you know, here's a bedroom kit with, you know, one bed, two nice and two lamps and the artwork or something like that, whatever you want to do. And then she has a yeah. price point for it. So I think for Airbnb hosts, maybe you just try out to offer packages of furniture and you just make money on the on the sale and then see if you can upsell them on the styling aspect of it. Oh, so like does she just offer the packages basically delivered, but that's kind of it and no other? Yeah, basically. Okay. She, they, so so say you buy the bedroom kit, they deliver the bedroom kit, they set it up and they basically go, they leave. Right. But it's done right. for them, right? And then the pricing is very clear. It's already on the website. Because she already did her math, like, you know, right. like, what would the profit margin be built in for these? 
and you know in right. terms of shipping and stuff and for you you also do photography so it's your perfect segue i feel like because you can be like here's our staging kit and then if you want to include photography this is our additional premium package if you want to add on styling this can be basically just like a la carte sell it yeah see that's a really good idea so so basically just offering kind of different levels of I mean, like, if you want us to be your store, we'll be your store. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Because um, you can have, because I think because you have the advantage of having a warehouse space. You right. also have a team. And right. so, and you already buy wholesale. So it's not that far of a stretch for you to put together kind of different packages in terms of furniture. Because yeah, I think 5000 sounds like a lot for most people, but we know that's not realistic. <laughs> right. Right. Like, and, and I mean, it is. Unless it they buy realistic. everything Ikea, but then no one wants to stay at an Airbnb where it's like full of Ikea furniture. Right. That's why they have Airbnb right. plus because people want to be in the designy Airbnbs. Right. Yes. And so yeah. I think you can market that we sell designy furniture, like room in a box. You basically right. just order this and then we set it up and you're done. Right. Right. And then if you want, we can like you basically you can upsell the photography package and also styling or whatever and or right. And so if they just want the basics and want to do the rest themselves. And that's what I like, like one of the marketing pieces that, you know, I've created for for this because we're also trying to get into like there's a lot of sports teams here. And so can we furnish your apartment? Um, hey, you just need your your apartment furnished for a couple years while you're here in town with the bucks or whatever the raise, whoever. Anyway, so it's like, how can we outline all the pain points that you're going to experience from doing this yourself that you don't know about yet? You know what I mean? And so, yeah. like, we break it down, like, save X many hours that you would spend shopping, X many hours waiting for deliveries, X many hours unpacking all the freaking cardboard. Like even just that is a pain and then X many hours assembling. And so I'm trying to really sell like, Hey, I know you don't think that it's going to be that big a deal and you think it's going to be fun. And I watch HGTV. So like I can, you know, pick out all this stuff, but this is, this is really what it looks like. Yeah. So I think having packages where they can, it basically simplify the decision for them and they can kind of right. see, what is the style that you're going for? Because I know Court does relocation as well because they yeah. they do that in the Bay Area for sports team. And essentially yeah. they just sell you like, you know, a two-bedroom package and here's X amount of furniture and accessories included kind of thing. And yeah. I see no reason why somebody your size couldn't offer that too. Especially yeah. if you have a lot of sports team in your neck of woods, you can totally pitch this. Um, because maybe there are tire kind of the you know court look because court pretty much has like same ace couches like yeah, they rent out and for you right. you can do something a little bit different or even custom and I think I think the two the thing too is kind of like to pos- the positioning and also get your foot in the door because once they have a taste of working with you and they love working with you it's a very easy sell to do anything else right yeah. Well, that's all. Thank you. I feel like I'm learning so much from you. This is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm a nerd. I like to like do business stuff. So 
No, that's, it's awesome. It's awesome. That's been really helpful. And I apologize to whoever's listening that thought <laughs> I would give them advice on Airbnb because I don't freaking know yet. So thank you. You gave them all and that's perfect. No, I think, yeah, anything to help. You can try that and I would love to know how that pans out. Yeah, I will. I'm going to keep you posted. Cool. I would love that. Um, so yeah, let's, let's head back to the interview. <laughs> And so what do you think yeah. contribute um, to your success as a homestager? Because I think within five years, you've done a lot. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, one of the biggest things is, to be honest, so two years ago, I um, partnered with, th this is kind of weird, and a lot of people are like, what? This is crazy. But I essentially partnered two years ago with the company that I used to rent furniture from. And um I was just, I couldn't keep up with the demand being a solo stager. And I had some like 1099, you know, stagers um, that were helping me, but I just couldn't keep up. And so I, once I partnered with them, um, we were able to kind of put our resources together and two heads are definitely better than one. And so that's been a huge part, I think, in our success in the past couple of years, just frankly, having more resources, you know, and more capital to keep up with demand. But before that, I just, I really <laughs> have tried to think big from the very first day. I've been really focused on our brand from the beginning and trying to get that right. And just consistently doing research and staying on top of what other stagers that know more than me are doing. And that's really helped, I think. Yeah. And what do you think makes this a successful staging? Like, when do you know it's done? How do I measure if it's a success or not? Yeah. Well, I mean, number one is like results, right? Like, does it sell quickly? <laughs> um, and we can't forget about that, you know? Does it sell quickly? Was it efficient? Did we use our time efficiently? Were we efficient with our inventory? and just getting kind of the most bang for our buck as far as um, how many people were working on it for how long and what product we were using. And um, were we smart about all that without compromising the, the design and the end result? And do the photos look great? I mean, so when we have all of those things, I think that that kind of constitutes a success. And when you're staging on site, at what point you're like, okay, I think this is good. This is perfect. Because I know a lot of times people can be like, oh, I think we need a little something more or should we do this yeah. or not? Like at what point you're like, no, we're done. Well, I will tell you that my stagers would tell me like, oh my God, never. She would stay there all day. Like if I didn't have to think like a business owner, I would stay there like all day and be like, ah, move the pillow two more inches. But I have to remind myself like, you know, time is money, you know? And so I think that you really have to start thinking that way. I don't like to, like rarely, unless we absolutely have to, like we're not going out to buy stuff because we needed a one more pop of blue. You know what I mean? I, I think shoot for 80%, you know? Um, because if you are talented and have high expectations, 80% is going to be pretty freaking good. And so that's, that's kind of the, the, the new um, measure that I've tried to implement. I think that's great. I think, yeah, because at some point we have to leave, especially if you right. do kind of a flat, you know, uh, pricing rate. That's the thing is that every minute you're on that house, you are basically losing money because it's yeah. a flat rate. 
So you really have to be as efficient as possible. Yeah, and I think and I think that also takes time. And in the beginning, I mean, I used to hear about staging companies when I started that staged a house in you know two hours, and I would be like, "What? That's impossible!" <laughs> you know. And now we're always staging. We're staging houses in two hours quite often, you know. And so I think with time, with experience, you learn more. You can do it more quickly, but you also trust yourself more, um, which is key. And I think sometimes we can spend a lot of time. Um, I still do this, like second guessing our decisions. You know, like, oh, did I? Is this right? And and so I think we have to trust our in- instincts and trust that that we know what we're doing. And then also one other thing that I do all the time and I train my stagers to do is if you're like, like pillows are a thing for me, man, I could like rearrange the pillows 87 times. But like if I'm sitting there and if I'm standing there at the sofa and I did the pillows and I'm like, I don't know, you know, which one goes where, whatever, or whatever it is, I just walk away. I walk away, I go finish another room or I go help somebody in another room. And then if it's still bothering me 15 minutes later, then maybe I'll adjust it. But usually once I walk away, I'm like, oh, it's fine. That's very cool. And so in your opinion, how can home sellers and agents maximize the value of a stage home? Oh, gosh, photography and marketing. Um, I mean, we offer photography with all of our package most of our packages now but there's nothing more sad that when somebody invests in staging and then they do like a cell phone photo photo. (laughs) yeah yeah it's the worst so um there's really little use in in staging if if you're not going to invest in the professional photos and then just market the crap out of it and so realtors really need to to know that that staging is a huge piece of that and that's going to take a ton of the the load off of them, but they still need to um, make sure that they're positioning the property properly and really getting it out um, there. Um, And so we really encourage like, hey, do a broker's open the day after we stage. If you're not an open house person, when you stage a home, become an open house person, you know, um, at least for this property. And so that's really how I think they need to squeeze every, every ounce of value out of home staging. I love it. And I really love that you including doing open house as part of your package. I think that is super smart. Yeah. Yeah. For our, for our luxury properties, um, we do, we do. So we'll, we'll host that. And I mean, we do it, at, we typically, it has to be a broker's open because that's where we're going to build, you know, relationships, but absolutely. And that's worth the investment on our end to help do that. And so our show's coming to an end. I can't believe how fast the time has gone. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. And so what would be your number one tip for someone who's thinking about entering luxury market? Research. Do your homework. Find the stagers that you want to be and emulate that. That's my, my, biggest, my biggest suggestion. All right. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. You're you welcome. are amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that was a blast. Well, thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by SocialLightVault.com. Are you overwhelmed with the marketing your home staging business? Stop wasting time worrying or wondering if you're doing the right things. From social media to email newsletter that get attention of listing agents, SocialLightVault makes marketing simple and effective. You don't need a huge marketing budget. You don't need a huge audience either. You just need real marketing tools that work and the right sales funnel to deliver new leads, even when you aren't working. 
The team at Socialite specializes in marketing for homestagers. Get started today by going to socialitevault.com. So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media, or you can donate to support the maintaining costs for the podcast. You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback, and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You can also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com/podcast. That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging.